Welcome to this edition of the Stories to Tell podcast. In this episode, our special guest is Gary Heron. Gary is a local icon in the greater Albuquerque area, having had a media career that has spanned over 40 years. In this episode, we focus on Gary's love of sports, especially baseball. Gary tells stories about some of his favorite interactions with players, how he put together an absolutely incredible collection of memorabilia, which, get this, includes over 100,000 baseball cards, and we finish up with the new passion of Gary's, which is the history of Route 66. And we start off with how Gary developed his passion for baseball. And now, your love of baseball amongst all the other sports. Am I accurate in saying that baseball is your number one? Well, yeah, because I could actually play baseball. We built baseball fields back in the day. It's sort of like that movie, The Sandlot, which is not, yeah. one, of, not one of my favorites, but I know how it goes. <laughs> and we that. built ballparks. We would have our kids in my neighborhood to play kids in the other neighborhood. And we just love baseball. And the Tigers were a decent team then. Detroit wasn't that far of a drive. I got to see a doubleheader on my birthday one time and other birthdays. And so it was good to have a team. And I collected baseball cards. And they were a nickel a pack then as opposed to like five bucks a pack. And, yeah. and and I watched hockey. I appreciated hockey. I skated and played a little hockey, but I was never very good. Basketball, I wasn't very good. Football, kind of rough, but we still had our tackle games. But baseball earned its way to the top because of the access probably. And it just just remained. And, you know, and I fell into being an official scorer for the Dukes and did over a thousand games with them. Wow. And then, you know, since I've been at the Observer, there's been over 600 games with the Isotopes. Wow. You know, where no else can you get kidding. paid and fed to watch baseball? That's and, it. And didn't you, now you're a, a published author of a number of different um, stories, and isn't one of them on the history of baseball in our area? Actually, two of them. There's two of them. Uh, yeah, Duke City. No, it's a baseball in Albuquerque. It was the first one. It was an Arcadia book. And I started, I go to bookshops all the time. And the Arcadia series, they've got, you can name a city, there may be an Arcadia book about it. Even about my hometown, Fraser, Michigan, which is famous for nothing, not even me. And <laughs> and I thought, there's no baseball in Albuquerque book. So I pitched it. And they said, yeah. And then I did research. I did a lot of the photos in there are mine. And that came out. And I realized as I was putting that together in 2011, a lot of good baseball stories from the Albuquerque Dukes and Albuquerque in general. And I mean, by now there's only 32 guys born in New Mexico that have played major league baseball in a hundred plus years of major league baseball, 32. Wow. Uh, and so I thought there are a lot of good stories. So I pitched with Rio Grande press over there in Los Ranchos to do another book. And that's called uh, Duke city diamonds colon baseball in Albuquerque, which is my favorite one because it's yeah. nine nine chapters, like nine innings of baseball. And oh. later a book on Rio Rancho and 50 years at the pit. But the, the baseball one's obviously my, my love. Most sports fans will have a small collection of memorabilia, but Gary has taken this to a whole new level. In this section of Stories to Tell, Gary talks about the truly remarkable collection he has put together over the years. A friend says, you know, and I've got, I put together a club called the Old Farts Baseball Club where guys in their 60s and up, we meet basically monthly and talk baseball. We've done show and tell. We've done trading sessions. Fun. Yeah, it's been kind of neat. And it's because we've all got that passion. And then as one member put it, because we talk about what's the value of this? How much, look how much this is going for. It's, he, he put it, he succinctly put it, it's all about the memories. Yeah. Like all those ticket stubs you get on the wall. Yeah. Again, I'm pointing. There's the memories mean a lot yeah. more than those ticket stubs in the date. Well, to get back to the, your question, when I went back to Michigan for high school reunion, I went into one of my 
drawers in my room that I'd grown up in and brought my, a stack, all the baseball cards I had, maybe a six-inch stack, mostly 62 tops, which they got the brown wood frame. They're some of the ugliest cards tops ever did, and I brought them with me. And then I started buying cards in 78, and then it just it blossomed, it snowballed, wow. I guess I could say. Wow. And I've got over 100,000 cards. Wow. But I thought... The cards, they were kind of neat. I'd get them autographed by players at the ballpark and stuff because I had access. I go to spring training. I had access. And then it kind of evolved. I'd take Sports Illustrated covers to get them autographed. And then I'd just stick. I'd end up with baseballs and I'd get an auto, a bat or two. A Ralph Gar bat was the first one. Uh, the second one I got was a Mateo Alou bat I bought from a guy that was an Albuquerque, a real rancho guy who was ultimately died of cancer and his, his widow always wanted to know what to do with all that stuff. And like stuff I have, what happens when I pass away? You know, I, it's, it's good now, but I should be. I should be getting rid of stuff, not acquiring stuff. And I'm still buying stuff. I'm such a fool. But it just, it just, I just kind of branched out. I go, oh, that looked nice. I don't have any wall space anymore. I mean, <laughs> I've got autographed baseballs. I've got plenty of bats. I'm always in auctions. I'm always frequently at the flea market. Uh, we've got the club. We do some trading. I've got game-worn jerseys from almost every team. Yeah. I'm, in my room now, I've got the Detroit Tigers section, the Rockies corner, Diamondback shelves. <laughs> Big section of Dodgers stuff. Of course, the Dodgers, because the Dukes were their farm club back in the day, I've got their their four infielders, Russell, Lopes, Say, and Garvey. Wow. And, and I've had dinner with Steve Garvey and uh, access to Ron Say and a lot of these guys. And I've, I've also bought books. I, I think I had three or four books at about 78 when I started when it really started. And I've got almost 1,800 books about baseball. Oh my so gosh. if you know of anybody that would like to have the books and call it the Gary Heron Baseball Room, you got them. Wow. Sort of a museum type thing it for reference. It'd be great for reference. And, yeah. and, uh, and that's just kind of it. It just, it just grew. And, uh, I've never sold anything. No kidding. I've never sold. No, I, I actually, a few years ago, I found this really nice patch at the, uh, bullseye indoor collectibles mall in Albuquerque. And it was so neat. It was, it had a native American on it. It was just a colorful patch. And I put it on my Facebook page and some guy said, I collect those. He was somebody in Western Canada. It was no. a Western Canadian team, which I found out Googling. And, uh, he wanted to buy it. I said, what do you give me? He offered a hundred dollars. Well, I paid $10 for it. There so you go. Win, win. But that's the only <laughs> thing I've ever sold. Wow. And I like to think that that was what he thought was fair. And it helped his collection. Just like yeah. I'm sure some of the stuff I bought at a flea market's been overpriced. Although I, I like to think I'm pretty cognizant of what the value is, is of things. Although people put up, what's the value of this? I go, what can you sell it for? That's the value. You know, you've yeah. seen that in homes. Somebody yeah. says they got a $350,000 home and they sell it for two seventy five. dollars Well, it's a $275,000 right. home. Yeah. Is there, gosh, I didn't realize you had that much. Is, oh, sorry. Is there a way you could pick uh, a genre or a couple items well, that if you had to take them? You when know I, I mean? do, I do these stories. Well, somebody's got a fabulous coin collection. Or something, yeah. Go, if your house catches on fire, what's yeah. the first thing you take out? Right. Usually they wuss and go, my wife. I go, your wife could find her way out. <laughs> no, I've got a single signed Casey Stengel autograph baseball. That's very nice. And he's been dead since 85. He's not signing much. Yeah. And one of my acquisitions in the last couple of years, and this is before he went into the Hall of Fame, is a Larry Walker game used Rockies jersey with his oh. 33. And I know it's it's legit that he wore that in a game. So those are probably two of my my favorite items. Awesome. And they're not that far apart. I couldn't get them both if the house catches on fire. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like like I said, it's all memories. If I had to start all over, I'd start at a smaller scale and realize I'm not going to be uh, around, you know, more than uh, yeah. 50 years. Yeah. Uh, 
taking a that's a, thanks for sharing that because not everybody has a hundred thousand baseball cards, eighteen hundred books, and <laughs> and sections of their house, you know, dedicated well, sections of your. That, I could pretty much, if you told me a particular year and a player, I could probably find it within you know. 15 oh, minutes. I know. I remember that you were just kind of you knew will, exactly that, where the everything guy, was. The guy that says the best thing about these is the value or the memories. He's got all of his cards alphabetized. <laughs> so if you need the Mark Ryerson nineteen eighty two tops card. He goes to the R's and he'll find it. Wow. One of the benefits of being in the media for so many years is having interactions with a wide variety of people and sports figures. In this section, Gary talks about some of his favorite stories and memories. I uh, started watching Eastern Michigan basketball, which was great because people that know the NBA, George Gervin played there for a couple of years, the Iceman. Yeah. And one of my career highlights, I should mention this, was yeah. seeing him as a college student in Bowen Fieldhouse. And so seeing Gervin play, great player, uh, collegiately, goes on to have a great uh, ABA, then an NBA career, yeah. Hall of Famer. Yeah. One year he came to the pit to play an exhibition game, and I got to interview him. So I thought that transcends my career, seeing him as a college student oh. and then interviewing him as a media member. Because I, nobody, I, I'm not in awe of anybody. I don't care who it is. I'm, it's not like, oh, how am I going to? Because I've you know kind of been there, done that. Like I said, who else has had Bob Feller in their car and driven him to the ballpark? Yeah, you know? yeah. Maury Wills has been in my home. I've walked around with the it's, it's, uh, uh, presidential, uh, Vice President Cheney when he came to uh, Rio Rancho and been next to Michael Douglas when he toured something be- between movie gigs. I don't know what it was, but he was in Albuquerque. And, you know, uh, the, the thing I really miss is I, I didn't get a chance to interview Bob Seger. And I had a chance. You I did? was supposed to be in line to interview Ricky Nelson when he came because he was one of my early heroes. He came, did a concert at the convention center and auto show one year. And the promoter said, yeah, you're going to get to talk to him. And it never panned out. And then he died in a crash rate. A plane crash right around '89. Uh, oh, that's 89. right. Yeah. That's right. I, it's one of the. I always remember where I was when Ricky Nelson died. Oh wow! Yeah, some people have those things. They like the Challenger crash. I know where I was. I was sleeping. Well, you're just name dropping here. I wanted to catch up and go back a little bit. How <laughs> now? Uh, mention to the audience who Maury Wills is and how did he end up in your house? Maury Wills, great baseball player for the L.A. Dodgers, stole 104 bases, 1962. Uh, but back in the go-go Dodgers days, he was a thrilling player because the fans just loved to watch him steal. He later managed Seattle. He was at, uh, at Albuquerque Duke's uh, ballpark one summer uh, there in his uniform, Dodger uniform, number 30, to show a few guys, Jose Munoz, Eddie Pye, and Tom Goodwin, how to bat, how to bunt, I should say, because Maury could do top spin, back spin, all this stuff, and it was over their heads. Wow. Tom Goodwin had great speed, but he... You, you can't steal first base. And so Maury was going to be in the press box that night, and I gave him a copy of It Pays to Steal. I don't know why I'm holding my fingers up to show you, <laughs> because I collect baseball books, and I had him sign it. He goes, oh, I collect baseball books. I said, I've got some doubles. I'll bring them. He told me where he's staying. So the next day, I took, I don't know, 10 or 12 doubles I had of baseball books to the hotel. It was the Sheraton Hilton, and now it's a Crown Plaza at Manalan uh, University, same place I met Bob Feller. And uh, I gave him the books. He thanked me. I said, you have about an hour or so? He said, yeah. I said, well, let me show you my baseball room. So Maury got in the car and went up and kidnapped Maury Wills. <laughs> took him up to the house. Yeah, one of my cats was sitting on his lap. We sat there and talked baseball. Oh, he looked at me. my room. He later sent me a real nice letter to, about admiring my baseball room. I drove him to the ballpark left-handed. I'm holding my re- my recorder with my right hand in front of him in the front seat. <laughs> Just fascinating. I've got probably over 100 cassette tapes with interviews going back to back to the early 80s. 
And uh, just a fascinating guy. He passed away within the last year or so. One of the Dodger greats. Yeah. And not in the Hall of Fame. Maybe should be. Okay, Bob Feller. Now, this is the people, the men, God bless their souls, are no longer around for the greater generation. The guys that fought World War II. Bob Feller was just a legend. Baseball Hall of Famer. Grew up in Van Meter, Iowa. His uh, his dad made him. He actually had the first field of dreams. They had a farmland, and uh, his dad helped craft out a baseball Field, no and Bob would throw balls against the barn door. Was a great player. Uh, went to high school after his junior year. After his junior year completed in Van Meter, he went and pitched for the uh, Cleveland Indians for the rest of that season. Then he went back to high school for no his kidding. senior year, and then he came out. Uh, they, this is, he never pay, uh, played a day in the minors. I don't believe started pitching for the the Indians. He had uh, four no hitters. Uh, right after Pearl Harbor, he signed up to go in the Navy. He was on the USS Alabama. He wasn't like some of the major leaguers that were coddled and doing recreation ball like Joe DiMaggio out at Santa Ana Air Base. And, and uh, Feller was firing those uh, machine guns wow. at the Japanese, wow. and he lost about three years of his career. Came back, wow. was back with the Indians, only team he ever played with. They made it in the 48 World Series, and uh, he retired, I believe, after the 56th season. Got one of his baseball cards, but he was... Everybody's got a Bob Feller autograph. He's like Pete Rose. If you don't have a Bob Feller, Pete Rose, you just don't belong in it. They don't. For, there's no forgeries because they were so easy to get. Yeah. But Bob would come around, make the tour of the minor league ballparks, pitch to the media, you know, do that kind of thing. He was a real friendly guy, and he was in Albuquerque one time. A similar story. And uh, I asked him if I could come interview him. I was at the news bulletin then. He was at that staying at the Sheraton Hill. He said, "Sure." I go there. He invites me up to his room, and here's Bob Feller doing his old double pump wind up. I'm thinking, man, those guys that fought World War II, if they would have seen this, just knowing that. And uh, it, it was great. Uh, after I did the interview and uh, took him to the ballpark and my my ex's uh, Bobcat, which is like a pinto, and I was oh, apologizing. Yeah. It was, oh, no problem. I drive a Maverick myself. <laughs> and one of my favorite quotes, and it's verbatim, word for word, another time Feller came out to the ballpark, and we kind of knew each other, Lynn. And he pitched in one of those old-timer games that was probably on ESPN or something. He gave up a home run to a guy who normally wouldn't hit a home run. And I said, Bob, and I forget who it was, he said he hit a home run. How long was it to the left field line? He goes, and he, he had trouble with his, his – uh, his denture, so I'm going to use his inflection. I said, how far was it down the line? He goes, well, you know, I pushed off before the game. A guy could drink two beers or pish over it. <laughs> and I thought, wow, what a great line. And uh, So Bob, uh, another guy's passed. When we went through the Midwest uh, about 10 years ago, we stopped in Van Meter. There's a, There had been a Bob Feller Museum there. It kind of shared the building with the Van Meter City Hall and asked some of the old people there. Don't ask local people for directions. They have no idea. Tried to find where the old Feller farm was, and they, they were no help at all. So that was a disappointment. Oh. But forward to 2023 with my Albuquerque Adventure 2.0, what the first guy came to Albuquerque with in 73, we had a 50th anniversary union. He lives in Fresno. I live in Albuquerque. We rendezvoused in Des Moines, rented a car, saw a ball game in Des Moines on Tuesday, saw a ball game in Cedar Rapids on Wednesday, went to LeClaire because I watch American Pickers, sat on the dock on uh, on the Mississippi. Next day, we went to Field of Dreams in Dyersville. We had a catch. Well, I took along, we took along baseballs and gloves. I took along an old Bob Feller model glove. You know, oh, which no was kidding. the problem. I took some pictures of it in front of the house at the, wow. yeah, that they stayed in. In our final story, Gary talks about his interest in the history of Route 66 and a special trip he hopes to make in a few years on this famous road. 
popular adventure I'm planning with my buddy in Fresno with yeah. the uh, Albuquerque 2.0 adventure in 2023. We probably won't do a 100th anniversary trip, but <laughs> I'm saying in 2026, what I'd like to do, and we're getting some juice on this, is fly out to L.A., rent a car, drive from Santa Monica on Route 66 to Chicago, all 2,400 miles. It's the 100th anniversary of Route 66. Oh. See a game at Wrigley Field and then fly home. Oh, wow. That would be, that's a pretty good adventure. And and a lot of the bit being on actual Route 66, not I-40, you know, it's uh, the new Route 66. Uh, a few months ago in August, don't go to August in, in or don't go to Arizona in August. We took part of the old Route 66 from Ash Fork to Kingman, and then from Kingman down to Oatman to Topak, and then I mean, just amazing scenery and, and knowing that, you know, Grapes of Wrath, the people were here. Yeah. Susan and I just went to the Grand Canyon this past weekend, and so we were right along 40 and seeing all that old Route 66 route that went that way, and just seeing some of the old what's left of the old gas stations right. or what's left of these old strange tourists sort of get your picture here in jail and did you guys pe- do you guys do much facebook yeah because yeah. there's a historic route 66 site that's excellent yeah and in fact we rode we took the grand canyon went to the grand canyon in august we took the locomotive to the grand canyon me from too Williams. yeah we, we, i arranged it to take the steam locomotive which is just the first saturday of every month because even though you're in a, in a passenger car you don't know what's pulling it i just have that fascination for steam locomotives I have on your uh, potential Route 66 trip, um, the one of the jobs I had here in Albuquerque before what I'm doing now was uh, at a building that was right on old Route 66, kind of at the canyon there and uh, central and tramway, basically, uh-huh. just, just a little bit from there. And one morning I got to work, it was about 8 o'clock or whatever, and I noticed coming down the old section of Route 66 were these two, like chitty i don't even know what to call them chitty chitty bang bang type cars you know uh-huh. and the, there was a, a man and woman in each one all dressed up like they were in that movie these big white costumes the woman had this big giant hat on yeah. he was rocking the goggles <laughs> and they were just coming right down route 66 and i thought wow look at those guys go i wondered how far they were going surely they weren't going the whole way maybe they were yeah. so maybe you ought to get yourself a little costume when you do that yeah. do a little real threat till somebody wrecked it but no I'm not, i don't need to do that it's, <laughs> it's the adventure not you yeah. know, I, but if you look at that historic route 66 facebook page oh, check that you'll out you'll see people coming from australia germany england everybody knows about the mother road they are mother road they want to be on the mother road yeah and when is the 100th anniversary 2026 oh the wow anniversary i bet a lot of people be coming yeah. through doing that yeah here's, here's something else another hobby my, my interest through the years have become the santa fe trail transcontinental railroad and route 66 and in the last few years i've been putting together an album uh you realize that at one time there were a lot of motels on central avenue in albuquerque yeah i'm putting together an album that starts with the easternmost hotel motel and the end of the book is the westernmost motel. Wow. By ad- address. And a lot of them have messages on the back. Hey, it's hotter than heck here. We're going to Taos tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, there's there were between 90 and 100 motels. And I probably got wow. I probably got 80 of them now. I wow. just got a, two the other day in the mail. So they're all organized. I know little bits and pieces about them. I'm also in the Route 66 New Mexico Association. I edit their quarterly magazine. And uh, so I'm, I'm starting to gain more, and I've got all kinds of books and stuff on Route 66. So I'm a, not a local authority like I am on baseball, but I, I know enough to, to hold my own. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Stories to Tell podcast. If you have a story to tell, please reach out 
It will be fun to connect with you. All the best.